be easy to buy is the first thing and then be easy to remember to be remembered because many businesses just sell stuff but the successful businesses usually are businesses that remember particularly business to consumer businesses are businesses that remember for a particular reason and then we say what are we giving our consumers to remember us by and then the story and the experience becomes part of that hey what's up everybody welcome to the local business hacks podcast i'm your host dave nicolanti on a mission to help you this show is here to educate you, inspire you, and most importantly, motivate you to dominate your competition. Whether you're brand new and just opening your doors or looking to level up your existing business, you're in the right spot. Now, let's get this party started and talk some local business hacks. So welcome back to Local Business Hacks. Today, I have an incredible guest I'm so excited to share with you. I'd like to introduce, introduce you guys to Lazar Jomich. Lazar, thank you for being here. We appreciate you taking thank the time. You and Lazar is an associate professor at three different universities over in Europe. He has a long, extensive background working in, in helping businesses or improve that customer journey. And the customer experience is something so important that so many businesses, especially small businesses, don't really look into or dig into all that much. So Lazar has a, has a background in that, so we'll spend some time talking about that. And also, so Lazar, you, you worked at Google as well, correct? Uh, that's correct. So it was part of, part of Google Zoo, which working with like the, really the largest of the large clients. And I think you had a focus with that, the customer journey and then a lot on YouTube as well. Is that right? Uh, it, it was everything, to be honest, because, uh, yes, I was the head of uh, brand strategy at Google Zoo in London, which covered Western Europe. And uh, my clients were some of the uh, world's largest companies. And literally, it is like that because the zoo is usually uh, it's a super uh, creative think tank that Google gives for free only to the largest clients. So my clients were kind of global um, brand directors and CMOs of famous brands such as Ariel and Persil and a lot of PNG and Unilever, L'Oreal, Ford, uh, you name it, probably I work with them. That's incredible. So the Google Zoo and it really was a zoo working there. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it, was, it was a formidable, it still is, sorry, a formidable outfit. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. So, so Lazar, tell us, um, as our audience, I mentioned to the beginning, our audience is everybody that you'll find on Main Street USA and small mm. businesses really in health, wellness, fitness, to restaurants, to retail, mm. and everyone in between. So tell us a little bit, you shared a little bit about your experience at Google Zoo, but um, I guess if we wanted like to get a 30, 30 second elevator pitch <laughs> from you on your background, your history. Well, uh, absolutely. So I've spent almost 20 years in London as a strategy director and uh, brand consultant and creative strategist uh, working across the board uh, in several agencies and working kind of on various kinds of clients. Um, the biggest clients actually happened mostly while I was at Google Zoo. And as a strategy consultant in London, one of the most competitive uh, marketing places in the world, uh, basically you really learn the ropes, uh, how the small and the big are actually trying to be successful and how they become successful. And then uh, Google Zoo was a fantastic vantage point for me because that allowed me to see what keeps the world's best brands or the biggest brands uh, awake at night and many of their creative agencies as well. So all of that was, um, I would say, an absolutely priceless experience uh, on all sides of um, the scale uh, because I started very, very small and then kind of built it up. I scaled myself up over the years um, and being able to connect uh, small and big uh, for me was actually the most precious experience. That's incredible. And something I didn't really realize until probably a year or so ago is just really London is like the centralized hub for like marketing throughout the world. <laughs> There's so many um, 
it's such a big location for that that really isn't isn't very isn't common knowledge. I didn't know about that. Yes, uh, on every square mile of London, you've got more than a thousand companies dealing with marketing one way or the other. I mean, agencies and suppliers and everything else. So it's uh, wow. uh, hyper competitive. And I think only New York can be, can be compared with it. But I think London is uh, different in many ways because most of the disciplines are equally developed. While some mm -hmm. of the other markets actually have their strong sides and the weak sides, it seems that everything in London, all sides of modern business and marketing are equally developed. Uh, maybe Silicon Valley is better on VC, but apart from that, mm -hmm. I, I would say um, it, it's formidably strong. And again, it's a great place to learn different approaches and different different uh, things to do on kind of the whole of the spectrum of business and marketing. That's awesome. So working with working with some of these larger businesses, um, I know larger businesses that have more funds, more manpower, more ability to go into every detail of the marketing side, where, where a lot of the people that we work with, and a lot of our audience, they might be a one-man wrecking crew or yep. have a very small team. Yep. So there, there's still some things of the, the generalities for how those bigger companies think, which I'm, I'm looking forward to picking your brain and getting some exposure to that for some yeah, yeah. that can be put together on a, on a smaller level. Oh, absolutely. I, I kind of did work with some startups and uh, smaller companies. I was helping a lot of friends who were kind of getting the companies off the ground. And I have to tell you, uh, uh, my deepest, deepest experience and belief is actually the stories, the small businesses, the small guys, be, um, best friend. Because most of the small businesses very often do have a more authentic story to tell, or they mm -hmm. should be, at least if they don't have it. And that's kind of one of the focuses, apart from having a good business, good product, which is now this kind of the table stake uh, to actually go and compete in the first place, right? But if you do have a good product, product, when I say product means service, whatever you do, mm -hmm. if it's good, if it's good quality, if it does have kind of even some aspect that may be unique and different, stories, the small guy's best friend, whoever kind of manages to tell a better story immediately kind of get some sort of an advantage. And uh, the big guys are just better trained and more trained and have more experience in good storytelling than the small guys. And for me, one of the kind of immediate advantages that kind of small guys can get in their respective uh, competitive uh, circle is simply to become better storytellers about themselves. Storytelling, that, that's such an incredible concept. And it's something that I, I've, I've personally dove into quite a bit over the past couple of years and looking at like mm. marketing funnels and getting that mm. story out there. It's not, it, the, the story truly becomes part of that brand. And something where if the consumer is able to connect with it in a more natural way or a total way because of that story, it really just plays such a big part of it where it's often overlooked. Yeah, well, absolutely. And, and story is not just the communications, it's the experience, actually. It's the mm -hmm. overall, the whole of the experience that a business can offer, particularly a smaller business can offer to, to the customers. Um, I have to quote Professor Byron Sharp here. He, he is one of, kind of the world's the foremost authorities on uh, brand building and brand development. Uh, and that has been confirmed to so many businesses, again, small or big. There's only two ways to actually really grow the business. Uh, he called these two concepts mental, uh, uh, sorry, physical availability and mental availability. In other words, be easy to be bought and be easy to be remembered. These are the only two things that successful businesses have in common. Easy to buy, easy to remember. And then we go into all sorts of different kind of academic and practical concepts. What could that mean in practice? So easy to buy. Well, there's already some demand out there in the market. Are you harvesting uh, existing demand in the best possible way? Which means SEO, 
SEM, optimization, recommendations, referrals, reviews and ratings, various kinds of other things that are going to help you harvest the existing demand, people who are searching for your products and services already. In the physical space, how do you navigate people to your shop? In a pure physical sense, are you giving people some pointers to find you more easily? When they actually come in your vicinity, what do you give them to immediately spot you? Is this something that you do with your shop window that is going to attract people to actually investigate you? Because shop window is a huge screen. That's how I like to think of a shop window. It's a, a massive screen, analog screen. I mean, it doesn't have to be, but actually, even if it's analog screen, it is projecting, should be projecting something to the audience uh, uh, outside. A very clever use of the shop window, for example, could be one of those elements that can draw people in. Various elements that you can put in front of the uh, shop, again, to drive people in and to build that uh, uh, memorability as well. So be easy to buy is the first thing. And then be easy to, rem to be remembered because many businesses just sell stuff, but the successful businesses usually are businesses that remember, particularly business to consumer businesses, are businesses that remember for a particular reason. And then we say, what are we giving our consumers to remember us by? And then the story and the experience becomes part of that. We can talk about it later on if you want to, in a little bit more detail. Yeah, that's that's incredible. So I mean, that's something we'll probably that'll be a recurring theme for this conversation here. Um, those two things: be easy, easy to buy, and be easy to remember. And exactly. Is that story going to stay on their mind? Keep coming back. Everything, everything boils down to do these two things and many companies big and small I, i'm actually quite fond of um, people make those artificial differences between you know building a brand long term and doing the trade is short term. i mean these things are connected all the time and my favorite motto uh, or, or mantra is uh, tesco's tesco is a large chain of supermarkets in 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 the uk They've tried to do something in the US, not very successfully, but uh, absolutely massive in the UK and the rest of the Europe. And their motto is great. I really like it a lot. I think it applies to any of the businesses, which is um, trust over time, trade overnight, which means you constantly sell every single moment, every single second you're trying to sell, but you have to build trust overnight because that's, again, what people are going to be remembering you by. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. So, so many golden nuggets right here to talk about and to remember. And this is going to be one people are going to listen to again. <laughs> so this that, is great. That's great. I mean, I, I can give you a, a practical example on a very, very, very small scale. I mean, it's a, probably the best case study that I can, I can offer personally and uh, closest to my heart and probably the best professional compliment I've ever received was actually from that particular uh, uh, situation. It was many years ago, 30 years ago or so. Uh, uh, during the wars in Yugoslavia, when actually some refugees, uh, they're kind of moving from one part of Yugoslavia to Serbia, um, people who lost everything basically in those wars. And I was invited to uh, teach them how to uh, sell eggs on the green market. If you can remember, uh, if you can imagine that particular brief, or make them more successful egg traders on, on a green market. Uh, guys who actually only had a few, few hens, maybe selling a few dozen eggs um, every week or so, how to sell them better, how to make them preferred sellers on that particular green market. And that's where marketing really has to work from the bottom up, from the ground up. I mean, all the principles have to apply to that one guy. If they do not apply to that one guy, they wouldn't apply to a multinational company as well. I'm a kind of firm believer in that. 
that's why for me the difference between big and small are a little bit artificial it all boils down to the same set of principles so what did i do with these guys well first of all i tried to make them be easy to spot be easy to remember be easy to notice um their stands in the green market use uh, all the natural materials actually so that uh, you can draw people's eyes to your stand so if it's uh, summer springtime or summer lots of green uh, twigs and grass and things like that. So immediately from, from very far away, you can see that this is something authentic, something natural, something different looking than the rest in the market. During the winter, lots of dry twigs, dry leaves and things like that. Then basically when the people come to the counter to see what is going on, they're going to see the basket with eggs or different kind of uh, uh, literally baskets with eggs. Those baskets could be natural woven baskets or could be the old pots uh, quite kind of beaten up pots, but that also conveys the authenticity of the operation, right? Not the industrial kind of bit. And you group them into different things. Uh, the best trick was that the most expensive and the biggest eggs were separated in a separate basket, physically slightly to the side for, uh, from the rest of them. And there was only one very simple message on a piece of cardboard next to them, four children because everybody wants to buy the best things for their children. And the most expensive eggs on that green market was those eggs. And these were the first ones to be sold every single day. They were the first ones to go for children. And then the rest of them, uh, the very successful thing was when I've asked them to actually put the uh, pictures, the photos of individual hens next to each basket of the eggs. Why? Because people like buying from faces, not from faceless. Nothing. And even if the guy who is, or the person that is selling those things are better stories, if you can show the hands with their names, and then some, sometimes somebody buys the whole kind of basket of eggs with that particular picture of, the, of that particular hand, they make a cake or something, it turns out really, really well. From then on, these are the only eggs that exist in the green market for that particular person. But they've got something to hang the idea or the decision mm -hmm. on. And all of these things are storytelling. That's actually storytelling in practice. And my guys actually worked really, really well in a way that they sold lots of eggs. They grew, they could get kind of more loans, micro loans to um, uh, scale up their businesses. The best compliment I've ever got was when one of them told me after losing everything in their lives, uh, he said, I can put a price on my chest uh, once again, thanks to you. And no pro other professional compliment I've ever got from anybody in the world was actually even close to that. That's awesome. And that is such a, a unique story. And I, I always tell customers like, hey, it's like people buy things from people they like. There you go. And, but now it's like people buy things from chickens that they can see. Well, exactly. <laughs> and also people buy because sometimes uh, we give them a story that they can go and tell to other people as well. <laughs> and when they serve something, they serve a story as well as the product. Yeah, and that's, that's that ongoing commitment. They're going to want eggs from that same chicken. They had the success. Like I said, those are the only eggs that exist in that green market to that customer. So, yeah. So that was actually storytelling in, <laughs> storytelling in practice on a very small scale. And then uh, there's lots of kind of those different uh, uh, tactical tricks that any business can basically do. Uh, I'm a big fan, as you can imagine, of the shop window. I think it's a, a largely unused opportunity basically to treat it as a screen and to, first of all, attract attention from, from far away, and then also to brand and to tell a story about that particular outfit, why are we different, how are we different from, from anybody else, or at least in our vicinity. Uh, daily boards, you know, those kind of chalk, uh, uh, chalk boards, uh, mm -hmm. creatively used. They could be absolutely massively successful because they make people remember you. 
So you can play on seasonal stuff. Now springtime is coming and it's a hair salon. What can I say about springtime and why you should go into a hair salon in springtime, summertime, wintertime? So many different kind of tentpole moments, how we call them in marketing that we can play on. There's kind of new Super Bowl uh, uh, finals. Can we do something about that? There's lots of storytelling opportunities, very simple, just chalk and board that we can actually make a difference. People remember us, they notice us, remember us, chuckle a bit, laugh, smile a bit, they said, that's really nice. Some may come in, other people will remember. <laughs> this is just some great stuff. I'm loving this. It was such an awesome conversation and a lot to unpack here. So let, let's let's take that idea of uh, the, uh, I you said the shop window is something, it's like a huge TV screen. You wanna use that to your benefit. Um, do you recommend changing that up? Uh, like, I know you have the chalkboard. That's something that can be changed up quite consistently, quite yeah. frequently based off the, the the season or like whatever event might be going on locally, anything like that. As for Lindo itself, that's something a little bit, not permanent, but a little bit longer lasting generally, you would think. Um, I've seen businesses we work with that have the same thing on their window for, for five years. There you go. <laughs> and then I see some that try to change it more often. What do you think would be like a, a good timing for something like that? Just out of curiosity. I, I really depends kind of on the business and the situation, but I would have to say uh, part of that should be consistent because that's what brand consistency is all about, of course. Uh, so you need to kind of play on your colors, maybe your slogans, uh, maybe some kind of design elements that the shop actually has, which should be consistent. And that's another thing why people remember us uh, by or for. Uh, however, the other part of the shop window certainly could be tactical and could be changed much more frequently. I, I honestly, I've seen examples where people are changing daily some people are changing the content there every week or maybe twice a month. And some people, of course, less frequently. But mm -hmm. today, because you've got so many technologies, you've got the erasable uh, markers, you can actually, in various colors, you can literally have a slightly different kind of intervention in your shop window every single day if you want to. In that particular case, it becomes um, the, the, the board and the shop window kind of become the same. So you maybe right. don't have to do it if you have a chalkboard. But if you don't, Basically, it's a tactical space as well. And with that tactical space, we can frame our special offers. Uh, again, seasonally, temple moments, culturally, big moments are happening. Um, there's the prom season. So many things with a little bit of creativity, a little bit of humor, a little bit of flair and panache. Basically, we can really make people remember us. And we become the place that something new and unusual is going to be happening every single week. Very, just awesome stuff. So cool. So. Incredible stuff. I love the case study with, with selling or the, the study about the small business with selling eggs in the green market. That is very cool. I know you've worked with, obviously that's more on the small side. You've worked with people all the way on the larger side. Do you have any, um, any other like stories that get you excited about customers you've helped out or that you've seen like preferably on the more small business side, but I know you, you work all over the place. Um, well, you, you mentioned some, some things that we know in practice. Uh, people like to buy from people. Uh, people make a relationship with people. So having your kind of hero employee or hero employees, yep. unless you can kind of afford to have a training, a specific kind of training across the board of all of your employees that they behave and, and talk in different ways, or you recruit a completely different kind of people uh, to reflect the, 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 the business and the, the mission that you've got and the culture that you've got, that could also be the case. So all of these things uh, definitely would help. Uh, wherever we can build that personal trust and personal relationship, I would say, let's do it, because that is one of the things that is also differentiating smaller guys from the bigger guys. And even in bigger guys like banks or whatever, we are trying to find that one person that we can relate to. 
and actually then go to all the time because we know them. Of course, there's sort of a relationship already. So that's kind of a great thing to do. Um, what else can we do? Um, a, a, a very simple thing. It's actually so trivial how simple it is, but very effective sometimes as well. If some of, um, let's say your customers haven't done it, uh, playing on spelling mistakes uh, uh, in search. I don't know how many of them actually do it, but some people would misspell the name of the business. You have to protect those as well. You have to bid on those, those kind of spelling mistakes. Right. As well. Very often, if you don't do it, your competitors are doing it. And then uh, the spelling mistakes relating to the products and the services that you offer. Uh, all of these things are the doors, potential doors into your business and just have to be covered from the SEO and SEM point of view as well. So that is really nice, interesting. Uh -huh. Nice little trick. That, that is a cool little hack right there. I do like that. Let me ask you this. So I, I, we need to spend some time talking about the customer journey since, since that's your expertise. So for these small businesses that we work with, something that they probably have never heard of and is actually new to me since being introduced to you is what you call the messy middle. Mm. It's part of that customer experience or the customer journey to finding the business. Yes. So, and I know that's something that big corporations put a lot of, put a lot of funding behind that. Yep. So I know our small businesses don't have the opportunity to keep throwing money at a problem, yep. but how can they excel in that, essentially in that area from when a customer is looking for a service that they're part, that this business is a part of, how can we help improve that, that journey? And it's actually, I, I one more thing I want to say, and I'll, I, I want to hear your answer. I love the book that you shared with me, the description. And I'll just explain it real quick, starting off here. And then all sorts of lines <laughs> intermingled. It looked like my my son when he was five years old would just doodled something starting yep. at the top and ending at the bottom with all sorts of lines and circles and squiggles in the middle. And exactly. that's the customer journey. And yeah. that, that's the online customer journey. And Google did that. Actually, the book that you mentioned is Google's research from a few years ago about how the customer journey works online now. When somebody is actually trying to find you, find the kind of business or the service that you offer, what happens actually online? And we now know that it's a very, very messy kind of thing. Somebody may start with search, but what happens before the sale is a bit messy. However, there's a method in the madness. Uh, when Google research, and they did a lot of a hugely kind of broad and deep research with a lot of resources spent on it, they boiled it down again, good news, it boiled it down again to only two mental states. Uh, one mental state during the search is um, exploration. When I'm actually new to the category and I'm exploring, what is it actually that I'm talking about? Let's say there's a new hairstyle that's very popular these days because a famous actress had it in a film and everybody wants to kind of to do that particular kind of hairstyle. They start researching that hairstyle. And if you are a hair salon, you should be there. You should help people actually with researching and understanding what is this thing that people are searching for. So exploration is one thing. Where is my nearest hair salon of a particular kind where I live? This is kind of all the exploration mentality, mm -hmm. the, the, the mood state that we are in. And good businesses would be, uh, uh, sorry, good business, businesses that want to kind of optimize their results should be optimized uh, in, for delivering in the exploration stage as well. This is all the traditional SEO, SEM, but mm -hmm. also referrals and many other things. And then the second thing is the, um, uh, um, uh, 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 sorry, comparison phase. So I'm, I've been exploring a territory and I do the thorough examination and I compare different competitors, different shops, different providers. And I do it uh, on a more granular level and I'm comparing a lot of kind of different things, likes, uh, likes to likes, 
trying to actually make up my mind and de-risk my this purchase decision. And this is where small businesses particularly can kick incredibly hard versus the bigger businesses. Because what Google did uh, establish and they, they, they found through the research, there are six of so-called shortcuts or in the marketing parlance um, heuristics uh, from the behavioral economy that are very successfully used in this uh, space in order to turn the demand and the preference your way instead of somebody else's way. And those kind of six heuristics are something that incidentally uh, platforms such as Referizes actually do cover quite well through various uh, uh, features that they also have. So for example, uh, social proof. What do other people think about you and your services? And these are reviews and ratings and then Google ratings, but particularly reviews, client testimonials, all those things that actually help other people uh, as a shortcut make, make the decision because they believe other people as well. Also, the second heuristic is the professional or uh, authorities, professional uh, testimonials, people that I can trust because I know that they are experts in a particular thing. So these could be influencers, but they could also be experts in the same category if we can engage with them in any way. Then there's the, uh, the power of free. If I can get something for free right now or heavily discounted, I can see an immediate value from me being there. And also the power of now. How can I get something right now? Literally right now, and maybe I can use it the same day, or maybe certainly I can use it within the next day or two, but right now. And if you can accommodate me um, as quickly as possible. Uh, so these kind of uh, uh, five or six different heuristics that basically are part of that investigation phase can really make a huge impact on what we call the transfer of preference. So you may have a famous brand without any of these things, and you have a completely unknown brand with as many of these heuristics as possible. And you can see, up, depending on the category, up to 70, 80% of transference from a famous brand to an unknown brand. In some other categories, it's less than that because the power of the brand is still kind of uh, a strong, strong pull. But still, that really gives the chance to the unknown businesses or smaller businesses to really punch hard and kind of get the business that way. That's awesome. There's a lot of stuff there. So social proof, and that, that, that's huge. We're talking reviews right there. Um, professional, uh, the, the authority, the testimony of somebody, an expert in that field, um, written video, something promoting that business, talking about it. Awesome. Absolutely. Absolutely. Any, any formats that we can deploy in order to kind of uh, uh, ramp up the social proof or uh, this is what other people mm -hmm. think about us. Also, uh, the power of free would be offers, special offers, uh, any free kind of things that we can put into the, throw into the pot. Uh, if you buy now in the next 24 hours, this is what we can give you for free. That's what I wanted to ask you real quick. I want to, I want to jump in right there. So the free, and some people think of free as a, as a bad four-letter word that starts with the letter F. <laughs> okay. to that. so it, i was going to ask you do you prefer like free or like the heavy discount or giving someone a bonus in addition to like to provide yes, uh, add value uh, yeah i would say i would say probably uh, uh both of those actually work for different kinds of audiences but i would say uh the second one is my preferred one uh so even if you uh do not discount heavily if you kind of put uh, put something free into the pot as part mm -hmm. of decision making in your experience a lot of people refer to that as well. So as long as I'm kind of getting the sense of additional commercial value that I'm getting from you, that's good. Uh, and free could be also brand building because you may get kind of the standard service uh, uh, at a full price, but the free bit could be the added experience or the added tool or something else mm -hmm. that you can actually keep using after the visit to my, to my shop. 
It could be something useful in your regular life or your regular uh, usage of the product or the service that you bought from me. Right. Because so many small business owners that we interact with, they always get a little bit concerned when we recommend doing something for free or adding something on. They need to realize that doesn't always have to be something of extreme value. No, but it's something that has to go towards telling that story. David, David, I was always shocked. There's no other way to use it when I realized for many of my clients, usually supermarkets or even insurance clients and grocery retail clients. You know, one of the the most popular free things that people simply love the most and uh, produced the best response rates in market communications was fridge magnets. (laughs) There's a line for those free refrigerator magnets and it's branding right there. (laughs) Go figure. So sometimes it's tote bags. Sometimes Mm -hmm. it could be uh, many kind of other things that actually do not cost a lot. But if it's done with real brand flavor if you if you if it's well designed or at least if it's a good design but well branded if it's mm-hmm. creatively done uh, i mean it can really make a difference well that's awesome to hear so so many great tips here uh so lazar this has been incredible and some truly some great stuff so we covered a lot and for these small business owners i mean the small business owners are pulled and stretched in every which direction and marketing is just one of the ways and a lot of a lot of times that there may be a small marketing team or they might be doing it all themselves so if they're doing everything for themselves or, or if they don't have these, these um, tips and these, everything just in practice right now, what, what would you recommend the one thing that they do right now? Where could they start like, that's going to give them the most bang for their time with everything we talked about right now? Uh, it, it would be, the, the, be easy to buy. I would say uh, harvest the existing demand first, the best you can and better than your competitors as much as you can. Because that demand is already there, that money is already there, and that money is looking for somebody to take that money uh, away away from the from the from the consumers. That's certainly the first thing to start, but it's not enough long term. If you want to build a long term business, people need to be coming to you kind of on an ongoing basis. So I'm going back to the uh, two mottos that I mentioned that I firmly firmly believe in: trust over time, trade overnight. Be easy to purchase, be easy to buy, and be easy to remember. That's awesome. So really great stuff. Let me ask you this, Lazar. I'm going to, I like to have a section here of the podcast where I like to kick my feet up. I get to relax a little bit and I make you do the work. (laughs) So what I mean by that is I want you to help us out. Is there a question that I should have asked you or anything that we missed that you think we could provide tremendous value to, to our audience? Oh yeah. What, what should I ask you that I missed out on? (laughs) I would, uh, well, you, you covered a lot of ground as well. I, I would probably just say uh, on the long-term thing, because the horizon of many of the businesses are actually relatively short-term, they're just trying to survive. But on the long-term uh, bit, there's one concept that kicks in uh, when businesses can reach the, the, the middle size. It's called value exchange. And this is basically how we create programs that people kind of want to join. And we start getting kind of repeat trade from them because of the kind of uh, uh, special things, not just offers, but things that we can offer to them as part of uh, being part of a program. We may call it a loyalty program. We may call it a CRM scheme. There's different names for those things. I call it value exchange. If I want to, to keep you with me for a longer period of time, we mean sometimes years, what are the things that I'm going to constantly offer you? And then you can see that thing being offered across uh, that longer period of time. It's not just kind of great service and it is largely down to a great service, great product and great people who are working there, but there has to be something else as well. 
And that's a completely different uh, area of thinking and uh, working. And the good news is that today we've got lots of platforms, uh, Referizes being, being one of the examples where we can actually do that kind of thinking, more long-term thinking without a huge cost and huge complexity. So long-term, to boil it down, keep it simple. So keeping those customers ongoing and keeping them engaged continually. And it sounds like so great service and that's what gets them in there. That's what keeps them there. But it may not keep them there long-term. There needs to be another, another hook there. And so different rewards, providing ongoing value for those customers. Well, that, that's exactly it. One of the tourist agency <clears throat> agencies I worked with uh, helped them for four years, actually. I've been doing their CRM program. And when we started working with them, about 70% of their overall annual revenue came from new bookers, people who booked with them for the first time ever. Mm -hmm. uh, after four years of that program, 65% of the annual revenue came from the database. That's where, that's where you want to be. <laughs> it's expensive to keep retraining, to retrain customers to act the way you want them to. And so that ongoing, ongoing revenue from those existing customers, that's the goal for everybody. Mm. And that, that's where small business owners uh, really need to make that mind shift. Because yeah. so many small business owners we talk to, it's always, what do you need? And new customers, new customers, new customers. That's really their primary or sole focus a lot of times. And, and rightly so, because if you're trying to grow, you, you, you have to grow. And the only way to grow basically is through increasing your market share, which means increasing mm -hmm. your penetration. And it's always kind of a healthy uh, philosophy to have. But my only kind of addition to that would be do not forget the rest of the bucket. Because yep. basically, when you always kind of focus on, on the top of the funnel, you are financing pouring water into the bucket. But if the bucket is leaky, you're not <laughs> maintaining a lot of that value that you've actually financed uh, at the top of the funnel. Uh, both sides should be playing in order to actually maximize our marketing investments. Exactly. Because so many people, it's just all, all focused on new customers and they almost forget about their existing customers. Mm. And those existing customers can provide so much value yet. Well, exactly. We have to both hunt mm -hmm. and farm. <laughs> that's, a great, that's a great analogy. I love that one. So, Lazar, this has been awesome. Um, I'll put you on the spot one last time. I know you shared a ton of information, ton of ton of tips, extremely useful stuff. So outside of what we talked about, is there anything else, maybe any any useful tip or hack that you'd recommend for business users they could implement for relatively easy or just to, as a way to, for them to change their focus and think about something in particular? Most genuinely find uh, start with finding your story, your genuine story. What is the other heart of your story? Is it the story of origin? Is it the story of your special skill? Is it the story of your special product or a, a approach or a process or a service? Is it the story of where? what's the heart of your story? You, you just cannot be the same as everybody else. Uh, find that nugget and uh, magnify that nugget. That's incredible. Lazar, I appreciate, I appreciate taking the time to share your knowledge with, with our audience here today. And really, if you get anything out of this, so this is going to be one I'd recommend even listening to again because there's so much stuff in here. But if you get anything out of this, it'd be easy to buy, be easy to remember. And those yeah. are truly words, words that a small business can live by and just take it from this conversation. So I love it. I appreciate your time, Lazar. And hope to have you back in here sometime in the, in the future. This was incredible. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure. Hey, one, one more thing, Lazar, before I let you go. Where could our audience find you if, if need be? Like if um or find anything about you if they want to look anything else up or uh, LinkedIn. LinkedIn's the best way. Awesome. So Lazar Jamich, we'll have we'll have all your information here exactly. in the show notes. And exactly. again, one more time, Lazar, we appreciate you. Have a great one. Thank you much. Thank you very much, David. Wow. So that was just some incredible stuff. So many tips, tricks, and things to implement. Remember, that was a lot of advice that was just shared right there. 
advice that every type of business can use. So remember, find those couple of things that are fit for you. Figure out a plan, how to implement them, what to do. Don't try and do everything all at once right away. Remember that old saying, that old question, how do you eat an elephant? Well, if you know the phrase, you probably know where I'm going with this, but you can't do everything at, a, at one time. Remember, you eat that elephant simply one bite at a time. Set your plan, stick to it. So I want to give thanks to our awesome guest. If you want to find out more about today's topic, then guests, make sure to check out our show notes. Uh, all the guest information is there on our website, and that website is localbusinesshacks.com. Now, there's a dash between each word, so it's www.local-business-hacks.com. Check that out. And, of course, I want to give a big thanks to you for listening. So if you enjoyed this episode, please let us know. Leave a review on whatever service you're listening to this on. And if you have any questions or just want to keep the party going, please join our Facebook group at Local Business Hacks. Till next time, cheers.